0: Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 73 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up today with our guest, Jill, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Jill earned a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering from Portland State University, She is the president-elect for the Society of Women Engineers and is currently a manufacturing innovation program manager at Nike. Welcome to the show, Jill, fill any gaps and share a bit of your personal life.
1: Thanks, Jeff. So I I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, I think the only other thing I was thinking, which was kind of a fun, cool fact about how I started kind of my career in engineering, um, was by senior year of high school, I was super into sports. um, So I started working as a sports intern at OregonLive.com and took that kind of love of sport all the way through when I got my junior year um, of college as my first engineering opportunity. And kind of it all came full circle when I got a chance to, you know, continue now sports and engineering at Nike. So,
0: Awesome. Hey, thanks for that, Jill. And let's dig right in here. So you've got a mechanical engineering degree. And then when I go and I looked at LinkedIn, I see that you're working in the manufacturing world. So could you Take us on that journey and how you went from mechanical engineering into manufacturing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the cool thing about mechanical engineering and probably the reason that I ended up pursuing a degree in mechanical engineering was that it has so many opportunities. So kind of when I started thinking, like, I want to be an engineer and I wasn't quite sure, you know, do I want to be a civil engineer, electrical engineer, which area I wanted to go into. Um, And so kind of when I started down the mechanical engineering track, um, there were basically two main opportunities. It was like design and manufacturing. Um, and to be honest, most of my friends, and probably still when I go back to Portland State and talk to kids, most of them want to go into design. Um, and so I kind of thought that might be my track too. Just, you know, it's like you think of CAD design and um, product design. And you kind of, the design part is kind of, you think of the more creative uh, opportunity, I guess, to to really explore your kind of creative side of problem solving. Um, but I ended up kind of going down that manufacturing track more just from my job experiences and ended up finding that I could do that same really creative problem solving in the manufacturing space and really started to fall in love with kind of that idea of not just how you design it, but then how do you make it? And that, that ends up being something that you get to see in pretty much you know, any product you can imagine.
0: So out of college, what, what type of work did you actually end up doing?
1: So I started as an equipment engineer, um, which really means like you think of, For I was in consumer electronics, so I was working at Intel. And when I went to work for them, you I was working in a factory where they were designing basically pieces of equipment that hadn't ever been designed before. They were trying to come up with, hey, we need to inspect this new material that's clear as an example. And it was like, well, there's, there's no equipment out there that does that. So can you go and find some equipment vendors that have something similar? And can you figure out a way for them to basically invent this new piece of equipment? Um, So I really started as an equipment engineer. And then from there, kind of, I, I like to think of it as kind of that engineering curiosity, like took that kind of interest in, Hey, okay, equipment needs to do this. Now, where else can I take it? What other problems can I solve with it? And kind of continued to grow and, to what I end up becoming a project manager and program manager and um, basically kind of continued to grow and develop skills around those
0: areas. All right. Thanks for that, Jill. And now let's circle over to Nike. So you're a you're a, a manufacturing innovation program manager at Nike. What does that mean?
1: That's a good question. Um, I always thought it would be pretty cool to have the word innovation in your title. Um, so yeah, I was absolutely, pretty, absolutely. pretty excited when that happened. <laughs> but basically, it's the idea of you know, I think I guess you think of a manufacturing engineer as taking something, the process of getting something made, um, and just trying to continue to make it better, looking for, you know, small opportunities to improve this step or um, to speed up this process. And for manufacturing innovation, we're trying to think of the future way of making shoes that hasn't ever been done before. So we're not looking at kind of let's make a little change here or make a small improvement there, but we're trying to figure out like how would you want to make shoes in the future? And what's a way that you can, um, one of the guys in our group likes to say always like a 10 X improvement, you know, don't just think of how you can make this 10% better, but think of how you can make it 10 times faster, or 10 times smaller, or 10 times, you know, cheaper, or more sustainable or whatever that metric you're trying to look at. Um. Think of a giant way to change change the way the shoes are made.
0: So, on your team, being the program manager, are there do you have industrial engineers, mechanical engineers? What type of engineering disciplines are you working with on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question because I think that's one of the you know common. Uh, misnomers people have about engineers is that you think a lot of engineers just work by themselves. Um, And you realize like as an engineer, like in order to move things forward, you have to work as a team and you have to have um, people with expertise in all different areas. Um, So like on my team today, um, we have a combination of, um, in fact, one of the main guys is working on robotics. So he's actually designing robots um, and designing paths for those and really thinking about more of the mechanical engineering side of the project, um, and then I work pr- um, with a couple chemical engineers, um so working on material development um, and new processes around different kinds of materials. Um, and then we have a couple different it I'd say it kind of changes a little bit like you're saying, we'll sometimes have some industrial engineers, um, sometimes have some chemists. Um, yeah, the the Nike side, I've seen a lot more of the materials and chemical engineering side of things, so that's been a a new and exciting area for me to learn about.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I never would have thought of of Nike, but now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, that you do need the STEM degrees to, to design shoes, to design the manufacturing, the chemical engineering's, you know, chemical engineering for the materials and the material science folks. So, yeah, I guess that is pretty uh, a pretty high tech company when you start to think about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's that it's a I don't know that for me that's what's so cool about engineering is you start to think about if you just take engineering at the heart of just problem solving. Um, you know, everything we touch needs, you know, you can make it better somehow. And so um, like you're saying, even shoes, you think of it as like, how oh, shoes are kind of low tech, you know, not a lot to it. And then you start to really analyze like what it takes to make a shoe. And you think about, hey, I want to make this foam like more responsive, or I want to make it softer, or I want to make it more water resistant, or I want to make, you know, this fabric. And, you know, you start to think about like, what are the ways you might want to improve your shoes? And you think about all the different um, ways to do that and there's so many engineers behind it
0: so let's get into a little bit of what a day might look like right if if you're doing design you, you know you can think of well i'm sitting in a cube doing design day in and day out doing some mechanical design designing a motor but when i go over to, to your position at nike in an innovation center what would a typical day look like
1: yeah this was a funny question for me kind of thinking through it because um i guess not definitely not every day is the same I mean, there's a lot of you know you come into the office planning to do one thing um and your plans might quickly change. Um, but I thought for me, I guess, kind of the probably the three constants in my day are some amount of email, some amount of meetings, and some amount of real work. Um, and so, I like I would say, like the email is usually, hey, what are some quick communications I need to get out or some quick ways I want to document either, you know, upcoming work or things that have been done just to make sure we either check in or everyone's on the same page. Um, the meetings are usually some amount of, Our program team kind of getting together, figuring out what are the trials or the testing we have coming up? What are some results that we want to look at and kind of go over together? um, Or some type of leadership, you know, presentation or connecting with peers um, at different places in the company. Um, And then the real work is, like I said, some kind of trial or testing, data collection, analysis. Um, So I'd say most days are some combination of
0: those three things. So thanks for that, Jill, and we're going to move on to something that really has you fired up today in engineering, in shoes, or anything in general.
1: I think engineering, you know, like I said, I think engineering is really in everything we do, and it's really, um, it's changing every day. So when I kind of think about what in engineering kind of gets me fired up or the most exciting thing is really the fact that it's all the things that weren't there, you know, 10 years ago. So you think about, like, how autonomous driving is moving along, and you think about machine learning, and you think about how... Um, Engineering is changing with like, you know, e-commerce and how things are moving along there. Um, and that probably is to me like the most exciting thing is like you start to look at all these areas and you're like, wow, you know, these things like we weren't even talking about them 10 years ago. And now you see like how they're embedded. I mean, I was just in a meeting on Monday where we were talking about using machine learning to create ways of thinking about how shoes are wear tested. And it was like, you know, this is this is pretty cool. I mean, engineering is just a pretty cool area, and the way that it changes every day is pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, that, that's some great insight, right? I mean, AI, artificial intelligence is showing up everywhere. And I'm going to ask you a question. So at, at Nike, don't share anything that you can't share. But w- what is one thing that we probably don't know about shoes that would be really interesting?
1: Um. So I was thinking about, um, I'll give you one example that something that came out recently was the breaking too. Um And if you haven't seen it, that was when basically Nike had this moonshot goal of we want to see if someone, we can get someone to break the two hour marathon. Mm-hmm. um, And I thought that was such a good example for me of like taking engineering as a problem and saying like, hey, is engineering just, it's not just hey, can you find someone that we know is fast enough to run a two-hour marathon? But they took it as like, hey, so we've got this, we're going to take a person that's capable of running a two-hour marathon. Now look at their training, look at their nutrition, look at the track that they're going to run on, look at the weather that's going to happen that day, try and pick you know, the perfect altitude, then start trying to combine that with what are the shoes they're going to wear, the, the clothes they're going to wear, what kind of formation they could run in to minimize drag. And I don't know, that to me was such a good example of like engineering isn't about just looking at one thing and trying to solve that one little point, but it's about kind of taking this big picture and thinking of a crazy problem and how would you solve it by basically stacking all these variables up together. So um, I don't know, that one to me was one of the coolest examples of kind of good demonstration of what engineering really is.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And and Joe, we're gonna move over to an aha moment. Could Could you take us to a moment of time were you had an incredible aha moment, and how you turned that into success?
1: The one that I kind of jumped to my mind when I first thought about, hey, what's a moment in time, um, was for me was kind of the late 2016 um, when I had the opportunity to join Nike. Um, at the time, I was working at Intel, and I had what I would consider my you know ultimate job. Like I was, I had worked my way up to where I was managing a group of process and equipment engineers. Um, I was working in an awesome area where we're kind of doing really cutting-edge manufacturing development on new products. And I was thinking, like, this is – like, I finally made it. You know, this was the, this is the job I've been waiting for for probably like the last 10 years. And right at that time is when I got this opportunity to work at Nike. Um, and so I thought, you know, is this, is this going to be a right move? Like, what should I do? And I guess the real aha moment for me was when I – thought, you know, I'm going to regret if I don't try something that was kind of out of my comfort zone and really like push myself into an area I didn't know if I could do or not. Um, And that kind of the experience for me of saying like, yep, I'm going to take a leap of faith, kind of go out there, try something new, try something that's uncomfortable for me and see how I do in this industry and see what I can learn from it um, has, I think, just really made me a more well-rounded engineer, like kind of uh, appreciative of the skills that I've developed over time and gives me a lot of confidence kind of going into what's next.
0: All right. Yeah, that, that's some great insight, right? Because you, you get to the point where you, you, you start getting a little comfortable with the job and it's like, oh, you know what? I think I've made it and things are good. And then an opportunity comes along that's like, oh, this is going to stretch me. Yeah. You know, should I go do it? Should I go do it? I'm going to be uncomfortable. And, and if you're thinking that, Jill, I agree with you, right? You, you almost got to go take those leaps of faith and just go try it. For sure. And, Moving on to college, right? Getting through college can be challenging. And unless you're a business major, maybe I'll edit that out. (laughs) But getting through college is challenging. So if you could go back to when you're 18 or so heading off to college, what are some things that you wish you knew that would help Stummers launch into college and get through successfully?
1: So I've had a chance to talk with a lot of um, college interns. Like we probably had 250 interns come through Nike this summer, um, and quite a few in the engineering area. So it's been kind of fun for me kind of to go back there of, you know, what did I think kind of in the middle of getting ready for my first job and getting ready for college. Um, and I guess just to take you back where I was, like I came out of high school as a straight A student thinking like, you know, if I work hard enough, I can, you know, there's always some extra credit I can do or something to kind of always keep my straight A's and always, you know, Basically, if I was willing to work hard enough, I could get through. Mm-hmm. Um, and going into engineering, it was it was a totally different mindset for me because I thought going in there, I'll be able to kind of work through this and figure it out. And I kid you not, my first calculus class, um, it was like, okay, you're going to take a midterm and a final, and that's going to be your entire grade. You know, we're going to give you homework every week, but we're not going to grade it. Like, that's just for you to learn. And I think I went into that first midterm in failed it like it was, it was a miserable fail and i thought oh crap you know that this is not I, like i'm a straight a student like i shouldn't be failing this first midterm and like now i'm stuck like i've got to pass this final exam or i'm going to be taking this class over again right um, yep so that was kind of i think my kind of guess key takeaway was this kind of progress over perfection like engineering at that ended up being probably the definition of my first 2 years of engineering was like you don't have to get straight A's. You know, you're if you get through this, you can still become an engineer. Um, and a lot of it is just preparing you for that mindset of, like, things aren't going to be easy. You're not going to figure out things the first time. And it's all about kind of continuing to persevere and kind of get through that.
0: Yeah. And I'll say, Jill, there's a, there's a lot of students that are straight A students in high school that don't have the tenacity that you do, right, where you're like, hey, I really need to, to hunker down. They they don't have the study skills. They get into college because they didn't really have to study too hard in high school, right? And they just get blindsided in college, and they ended up failing a class, and then they just they vector off into some other you know career or some other you know profession. When really, if you stick to it, right, you can get through engineering. And yes, you don't have to get A's in every classes, right? Um, You know, companies aren't looking for the straight A students coming out of college. I mean, some are, but. If you've got extracurricular activities in college and you've got a you know a relatively decent GPA, you're going to be employable and you're going to find a job.
1: Yeah, and I think that was kind of one of those things that it took me a couple years to figure out. And probably, I honestly, I probably didn't quite get it until the first few years into the job. Was that like you fail like getting a C minus in a few engineering classes doesn't mean you're not going to be a good engineer. Um, and I think that was really. Important. I think it's really important for kids to realize that going there is you think, you know, you're like in high school, you're able, you know, if you get an A, that shows you're really good at that subject. And I think actually with engineering, I think, you know, struggling through a few classes and getting through them and showing that, hey, I can maybe this area wasn't as good, but it might not be me. It might be the professor. It might be the way the class was taught. And that is isn't any kind of reflection of what kind of engineer you're going to end up being.
0: Yeah, and I, I've chatted with a couple of students and, and people, you know, out in the profession, obviously. And, you know, some of the common feedback I get back is, geez, I, I really wish I would have taken that class to learn the material than to get an A.
1: Yeah, like it's um, great feedback. <laughs> I,
0: I know, absolutely. I took classes to get the A and I got out and I'm like, yeah, I got an A, but I don't know if I really learned a whole lot. So, you know, STEM Nation, think about that. Try to learn the material as opposed to going for the A. So take some advice there. And Jill, we're going to move on to the lightning round. So, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: I think it honestly was when my mom uh, recommended I get my degree in engineering. So, like, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a high school senior, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'll go to pre law and you know get my my law degree after that. And she was like, well, you can still be a lawyer with an engineering degree. Like, so why not instead of like kind of setting your course? you know, on one thing in your bachelor's degree, why don't you get that engineering degree and get that foundation? Um, and then you can take that and go get your master's degree. You get your, you know, you could become a teacher. You can become a lawyer. Like you can do whatever you want after that, but pick a degree like engineering that really is going to give you that good foundation. Um, and I think that really set me up for success.
0: Yeah, great advice from your mom. And a personal habit that contributes to your success.
1: Be uh, Be decisive. So, don't be afraid to make tough decisions.
0: And your favorite internet resource or phone app?
1: So I am really hooked on LinkedIn right now. Um, I went to a, a society of women Engineers conference this last month, and it was so nice to not carry around business cards. And when you know people are asking, "Hey, can you give me advice on this?" or can you connect me? give me a you know some coaching or, Anyone I was meeting, I was just like, "Hey, look me up on LinkedIn. It's there. I don't have to worry about losing, you know, their email or typing in their phone number wrong." Um, anyway, so that was that was a savior for me.
0: Yeah, and speaking of LinkedIn, if you go to the show notes, STEM Nation, you'll find Jill's uh, connection to LinkedIn. If you do have any questions for her, you know, just ping her on LinkedIn, and, and I'm sure she'd help you out. Definitely. And a book you would recommend?
1: So I'm going to give a little uh, Nike plug here and recommend Shoe Dog. So I think the the history of Nike is just crazy and it kind of gives you some perspective on that, you know, not everything is a straight road and um, there are some kind of crazy history that can lead to a pretty amazing company.
0: All right. Uh, what was that? Shoe Dog? Shoe Dog.
1: Yep, by Phil Knight. Yeah.
0: All right. And Jill, you know, as we wrap up here, could you share a parting piece of guidance for station and then we'll say goodbye?
1: Yeah, so I think kind of my... Overall guidance is really to enjoy the process. I think what you talked about with the, you know, school, the classes, like kind of don't, don't study just to get the A, but to learn it. Um, I think that's kind of the way that I think you can get through college, you know, don't worry about trying to get to the perfect school or the perfect degree or, you know, trying to get those straight A's, but kind of take it as a learning opportunity and, you know, make meaningful connections with your students, your professors, you know, look for mentors, um, take advantage of whatever situation you're in and um, and really figure out what you love doing.
0: All right, Jill. And with that, we will say goodbye. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jill. I hope you enjoyed our chat today with Jill. Head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player and share it with a friend. Tune in next week we talk with Harriet, who is a PhD student working in planetary sciences. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM degree.